whole morning here. I will get it into the main intro eventually, I promise. But for now, before past me starts the actual episode intro, just a reminder, trigger warnings will be in the episode description because, of course, as usual, we're talking about some heavy stuff today. And if there are any that I missed, please let me know and I will be happy to add them. Thank you so much. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Curdled Ink, one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee, and this episode is chapter four of Fifty Shades of Grey. And yes, we have a well-written out, composed opening line. <laughs> I think I like it. I think I'm gonna keep it. We'll see. Anyway, I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. I am mostly, except that dudes are being mean to me on the internet. So, <laughs> I am fired up. I am ready to rant. Here we go. I literally just read the chapter, like, right before sitting... Uh, sitting down. I'm not sitting down. Right before starting this recording because I had, I scheduled the time to record and I realized I didn't actually read this chapter yet. So here we go. It's fresh in my mind. This should be fun. As you may or may not recall, our last chapter ended directly after Anna and Christian had their first date and she like almost fell into traffic, but then he grabs her and like she swoons in his arms in an incredibly cheesy staged romance novel tableau. Boom, cut to black, curtain falls, and the curtain comes up in this chapter with Anna still in Christian's arms and she's just staring at him, silently begging him to kiss her, and it's so tense and the moment is there and she just wants it so bad and he pulls away and says, you should steer clear of me. I'm not the man for you. What a cock block. But also like, yes, he's right. And especially if someone says that directly to your face, like, yeah, that's, um, that's, it's hard to get louder or clearer than that. You should stay away because at the very, like, best case scenario, they have some serious issues to work out and maybe you don't want to be the one to work those out with them because what the person they should be working that out with is a therapist. And at the very worst, as in this case, they are right. They're a terrible, horrible, abusive person and you should stay the fuck clear of them. But is she going to listen? Spoilers. No. Also, Christian, hi, hello, Lee here. You're the one who stalked her. You're the one who asked her out. You're the one who found out where the fuck she worked after you met once for an interview. Bro, bro, you should be staying away from her. Oh yeah, by the way, they're doing construction or some shit right outside, like on the street outside of my house. So if there's weird background noise more than usual, that's why. I don't know. I'm in my closet, so hopefully you can't hear it from there. But anyway, yeah, imagine your stalker being like, you should stay away from me. I'm not the man for you. And I'm going to continue stalking you. Like, what a mindfuck, bro. So anyway, she is, like, devastated by this. She says she made it pretty damn obvious that she wanted to be kissed. Anna, you didn't do shit. 
Like, believe it or not, he can't hear the voice in your head saying, please kiss me, please kiss me, please kiss me, please kiss me. Like, people are not mind readers. And especially after a first date, most people are still pretty shy about this person that they're interested in. And they're hoping is as interested back, but they don't know because you don't know each other yet. You're still basically strangers after a first date most of the time. I mean, depending on the first date. But like, you can't just expect people to know how into them you are without giving them some sort of sign. Like, that's honestly, again, it's like such middle school or like early high school logic of like, oh, if I just like all of his Instagram posts, he'll know I like him and he'll ask me out. Maybe, I guess, but also like, maybe not because that's not a very clear sign. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're just screaming in your inside your head, please like me back, you can't get upset at the other person for not picking up on that if you're not being clear externally. And some I think sometimes we forget that. I think, yeah, sometimes we get in our heads about our crushes and we forget that we have to be a lot more obvious than we maybe necessarily think we do about how interested we are in someone before they're going to pick up on that. Pro tip, if you want someone to kiss you, either if you feel comfortable with it, you could try to initiate the kiss yourself. Crazy idea, I know, right? Especially as a straight woman, like, you sometimes forget that, I think, maybe a little bit, but uh, you're allowed to initiate your first kiss if you want to, if you're into that. Or straight up just, like, ask. Just be like, hey, I would really love to kiss you right now. Is that cool? Do you want to kiss me? Is, is that a thing that could happen? Like, metacommunication is super duper helpful in relationships, especially, like, speaking as a neurodivergent person with some difficulties around communicating. Metacommunication is great. Just be, like, straight up, hey, you're really cute. I really want to kiss you, but, like, I'm feeling awkward about initiating. So, like, do you think you want to kiss me? I, Because that would be really great, you know? That's a totally valid flirting style. Anyway, they go their separate ways and they are both heartbroken. They're like, oh my god, I just lost this great love of my- Bro, you've been on one date and it wasn't even that good of a date. It was a really awkward coffee. Like, that's it. Like, all you know about each other is that you're really physically attracted to each other and Christian Grey is a control freak dickhead. Like, <laughs> this is- this absolute- I am not feeling the heartbreak that they are both clearly feeling. I'm not feeling it at all. I'm feeling this was a learning experience for Anna, that she should stay away from rich douchebags. And I'm not saying that all rich guys are douchebags, but if he's rich and he's a douchebag, or if he's not rich and he's a douchebag, I don't- just stay away from douchebags and go find someone else to date. But no, that's not where this is going. Um, Anna is straight up, like, on the floor crying in the parking garage, and I am going to read you a paragraph. So she says, I have never been on the receiving end of rejection, okay? And she, like, qualifies that with some stuff, blah, 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 doesn't matter. Romantically, though, I've never put myself out there, ever. A lifetime of insecurity. I'm too pale, too skinny, too scruffy, uncoordinated, my long list of faults goes on. So I've always been the one to rebuff any would-be admirers. There was that guy in my chemistry class who liked me, but no one has ever sparked my interest. Okay, there's that guy in your chemistry class, and the guy you work with, and Jose, and like every other fucking guy you meet, apparently? So... But no one has ever sparked my interest. No one except Christian Damn Gray. Maybe I should be kinder to the likes of Paul Clayton from work and Jose Rodriguez, though I'm sure neither of them has been found. So blah, blah, blah. Okay. Doesn't matter. 
okay, I I go on and on about how, like, what bad writing it is that Anna is so painfully insecure. And it is bad writing in this context, in the context of a romance novel. But, like, if she was setting up all these insecurities in a novel about her, like, overcoming those insecurities and, like, learning to love herself and learning to feel worthy of love and desire, because, like, as we have seen from the beginning of this book, like, she has no shortage of guys who would love to date her. Like, <laughs> she's, like, attracting dudes is not her problem. It's that she doesn't feel worthy of them. It's that she she can't conceptualize herself as someone worthy of their affection. And so she pushes them away. And she doesn't, I don't want to say she doesn't give them a chance because that is often thrown in women's faces as like, oh, you're not attracted to this guy or interested in him at all, but just give him a chance. Like, no, fuck that. If you're not attracted to someone, you have no obligation to date them. But what I'm seeing with Anna, especially in that paragraph, is that it's not necessarily always about attraction. Although maybe she's not just straight up not attracted to these guys and that's valid too. But it's there's also, she sees herself as this total ugly, awkward duckling who no one could ever possibly actually be attracted to and could ever actually love. And like, on the one hand, it's kind of annoying to hear that all the time, but on the other hand, it makes me sad because, like, there are actually people who see themselves like that and and who just sabotage all their relationships because they can't see themselves as being worthy of having a healthy, loving relationship. And I, it just, it makes me want to see an arc about her, like, going to therapy or, like, <laughs> making friends who can help her work through those insecurities and realizing her self-worth, realizing her beauty and her desirability and, you know, being willing to be loved. Because being in such an insecure place is exactly is setting you up for being preyed upon by abusers like Christian Grey. And it's so hard to stick up for yourself in a relationship and to set your own boundaries when you feel like whatever relationship you're in, no matter what, how bad it is, is your only choice because no one else could ever possibly want you. And like, I, I haven't been in that exact situation, but I've definitely been in the situation where I have been lonely enough and insecure enough and depressed enough to just accept all kinds of red flags and be like, okay, well, I guess this is just the way it is right now because at least I have someone. And it sucks. It, it sucks. Like, love shouldn't be like that. Relationships, healthy relationships are not like that. And it, it just, oh, I hurt for her. I really do. Whew. So anyway, she gets home. Kate immediately sees that something's wrong and asks what's wrong, like a good friend would. And Anna's reaction is just so like, um, okay, so Kate asks Anna what's wrong. Oh no not the Catherine Cavanna Inquisition. That's all, like, capital K, capital K, capital I, Inquisition. I shake my head in a back-off-now Cavanna way, and back-off-now Cavanna is all hyphenated, by the way, but I might as well be dealing with a blind, deaf, mute. Whoa, whoa there! <laughs> Let's just stop and look at that sentence for a moment, shall we, folks? Point the first. She is your best friend. She is worried about you. She sees that something is wrong. She is ready 
to comfort you or defend you or give you advice or whatever you need as a good friend would. Point the second. I understand being upset and just wanting to be left the fuck alone, because that happens. I'm an introvert. Sometimes I just need to process uh, by myself. But here's the thing. Say that out loud. Once again, sending clear signals, clear communication is important. If you shake your head vaguely, she may pick up on that, depending on her communication style. She may not. And so, accusing her of being a blind, deaf, mute when she does not pick up on your shake of your head and keeps pushing, that is very unfair, my dude. Third of all, yikes. Blind, deaf, mute. Yikes. That's a yikes right there. Let's just shit on some disabilities. Let's just bring up those disabilities in a negative context, just fucking randomly. Also, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe that mute is no longer the politically correct phrasing. I believe the better phrasing these days is nonverbal. I could be wrong. Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. That could be a whole other podcast. TBH about only bringing in comparisons to disabilities in very negative contexts like this when it is totally not necessary. When there are other ways that you could have said that Catherine Cavana can be a little bit non-responsive to social cues like that. And being neither blind nor deaf nor nonverbal, I don't really feel qualified to unpack that entirely, but I will say, as someone with some neurodivergences that sometimes get classified as disabilities, it sucks being only referred to when someone is behaving in a way that you don't like and that that is the only time we are even in the conversation. Why am I speaking with this cadence? I don't even know. I'm gonna take my sweater off because I am overheating one second. Okay. What's next? Anna tries to avoid Kate's questions and is just like trying to get out of there and be alone until Anna says Christian is out of her league and then Kate immediately jumps in and is trying to convince her that that's not true and she's a total stunner and blah blah blah. And this, let me remind you, at the end of the last chapter, she literally pulled Anna aside and said, hey, I don't think you should go through with this date. And now she's like, oh no, sweetie, that's okay. He's totally into you. Don't worry. He'll come back. Like, they're... <sighs> On the one hand, if if that's speaking to Kate's character, that speaks really poorly of Kate's character, that she's not like, oh, it's okay, fuck him. And I understand that that's maybe not what you want to hear in that moment either, but if you're if you're just, like, trying to convince this person to not go through with a date one minute, and then the next minute she's like, oh, don't worry, he'll come back, you'll have other dates, you'll totally get together, it's fine. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not looking out for your friend in the way that you think it might be. Or if it's just bad writing, like, there's a lot of that in this book series, where someone will just say something or have an attitude about something, and then very soon after will have the complete opposite attitude, and it's just not even addressed, and how the fuck did it get past the editors, I swear to god. Anna is basically convinced that Christian rejected her because he's too good-looking and she's too ugly. See my previous rant about how devastating Anna's self-esteem issues are right now, and how worried I am for her. I mean, especially having read most of the series and knowing how it turns out, but uh, like, woof. Anna, please go to therapy. 
sweetheart, nobody deserves to live like that. Nobody deserves to think of themselves like that. I promise you. So, of course, like, I don't know, a week later, it's, I don't think it's 100% clear in the text how much time exactly has passed, but, um, anyway, a week later, Christian gifts Anna a set of first edition books. A week after they went on one singular date, a very short date, might I add, and he said, stay away from me, I'm not right for you. Here, I'm gonna spend tons of money on you and give you a, a really thoughtful gift that I think you'll love. Mix signals? Never heard of her. Cut to Anna, Kate, and Jose at a bar, celebrating, finishing their final exams. Woo-woo! Kate and Anna are about to, to graduate from college. And so here's some more. I'm just side-eyeing this writing and this characterization so hard right now because Anna says she's never been drunk before, and yet in this one night she has had six drinks. Six! Okay, here's where I'm coming from when I think about this. So, granted, caveat, I did not like to drink for a long time. Well, now I am on two different medications, both of which make me feel the effects of alcohol sooner and more qu and more strongly than I would otherwise. So I am extremely lightweight. I have one white claw and I'm pretty much tipsy. I'm an extremely cheap drunk. But here's the thing. I think from zero to six drinks, how is she not blackout yet? I mean, we'll get there. She is not doing well by the end of tonight. Spoilers. Holy shit, the fact that she has gone from pretty much sober all her life to six drinks and she is still able to get up and walk to the bathroom without dying? IDK, man, that's pretty fucking impressive for from my point of view. She drunkenly calls Christian because of course she does. And he is immediately upset at the gall of this girl getting drunk and demands to know where she is, which bar she's at. Like, bro, fuck off. This is so far from any of your business. You have been on one date with this girl and then you rejected her and now you sent her a bunch of books, but that's a whole other rant. But dude, you have no right you have no right to be this offended at her lifestyle choices at this point in your relationship. Holy shit, dude. And if you really don't want to be with a girl who drinks, like, just fucking stop talking to her. You've been on one date. It is so easy for either of you to just walk away at this point. <sighs> but is that how it's gonna go? Of course not. Of course it's not. She refuses to tell him where she is, which is good good for you, Anna. But Christian says he's coming to get her anyway. Spoiler alert, yes, he is in fact going to track the GPS on her phone because that's not a red flag to get the cops involved at all. I don't even fucking like cops, but at this point, especially being a pretty little straight cis white girl, like, yeah, if that were me, I'd probably call the fucking cops. She goes back to her friends and Kate calls her a lightweight. Bro, she's had six drinks. Six, six drinks. What are you talking about? That's so many. Fucking bar culture, am I right, my dudes? So she steps outside to get some air 
And at this point, we see that E.L. James is straight up incapable of writing a male character who's not also a total fucking creep. Because Jose straight up assaults her. He comes outside and he, like, grabs her and she says, no, stop it. And he kisses her anyway. And she, like, tries to shove him off, but she's too fucking drunk. She repeatedly says no. He just barrels through all of them. At this point, it's chapter four, and Anna has been stalked by one guy and sexually assaulted by another guy. This is a horror novel. Holy shit. So, Christian, of course, comes to her rescue at that moment, which, like, how the fuck did he get there so fast? They're in Portland. He was in Seattle. What's going on? That's an explanation for a future chapter. So, oh yeah, another thing. This is the chapter where we really truly get to spend some time with Jose and with some Jose dialogue and we see how much of a fucking racist caricature he really truly is. He's like constantly saying, Dios mio, and like slipping little Spanish words and phrases into his speech and like, okay, I have known a few people in my life who are bilingual Spanish and English and yeah, okay, sometimes they say some stuff in Spanish, but like, I don't, it's hard for me to articulate exactly why the way that Jose mixes Spanish into his English is completely inaccurate and a complete racist caricature, but trust me when I say it totally is. Like, this is not how Latinx people speak. <laughs> Even if they are purposefully being bilingual and purposefully, like, playing up the Spanish in their vocabulary. Like, this is not- it. this ain't it. This just ain't it. Like, if you're going to write a character who is of a culture and ancestry and heritage that is different from yours, I admire that. Good for you. Diversity in literature is absolutely a good thing. But two things. First of all, Examine your own racism, even if it's, like, hidden, even if it's subtle, even if you're not overtly racist in your everyday thoughts, you probably have some residual racism swimming around in there. I know I do. I'm still discovering my, my shit. I'm still unpacking my shit. As someone who was raised in a wealthy white family in a wealthy white neighborhood, like, yeah, I'm still unlearning a lot of shit around race and racism. You have to fucking do that before you can write a character who is a race that is not your race. And especially if you are trying to write someone who speaks a language that you don't speak or who is bilingual in a way that you are not bilingual, if you don't have anyone in your life who is that kind of bilingual or who speaks that language that you can spend some time around and get a feel for the flow of how they do it, at least, like, look up some YouTube videos or find some podcasts or some kind of media with those people with that type of speech. Spend some time around it. And in the age of the internet, that's so easy to do because otherwise... You will end up writing Jose, who says Dios mio every five seconds, and it's like, bad. It's just bad. So anyway, Anna is not doing well. She throws up. She is very ready to be done with alcohol, with this night, 
Meanwhile, Christian's brother Elliot is introduced in this chapter because apparently they were together when Anna called, so Elliot came with him and is now inside the bar talking to Kate, and so Anna insists that she needs to go tell Kate what's happening, that Christian is taking her home, because of course he's taking her home. And of course, as usual, he just decides this without input from her, although I think at this point she's ready to go home, so whatever. At this point, Christian confirms that he tracks her phone he tracked her phone and that's how he found her. Anna thinks somehow because it's him, I don't mind. Like she literally acknowledges that it's a thing a stalker would do, but it's Christian, so it's okay. Like he's he's cool. He would never actually like abuse me for three whole books. No. <laughs> I've been on one date with him. I know him well enough. I'm in love with him, girl. I can't, I just can't anymore. I'm out of words. I just, girl, please. So Christian takes her inside, orders her a glass of ice water, and demands that she drinks all of it. This is where it really starts to feel to me like he has just decided that she is his submissive and has decided that she gets to follow all of his protocols that he usually puts in place for his subs and is like scolding her and is annoyed at her because she got drunk which without his permission or whatever, which is outside of his protocol that he has in his head and he has not even begun to communicate that with her, let alone let her give her consent to be his sub and to follow any of those protocols, and that's just the worst fucking possible foot to start a relationship out on. Like, again, I remind you, one singular date, and he, she doesn't even know he's kinky, let alone what he actually wants from her. Like, what the- what the fuck? What the fuck? That's all I can say is what the fuck. So, she chugs down this ice water, she feels nauseous, and guess what? Then, he pulls her out onto the dance floor. Why? Why? Why would you do that? Like, I don't know. If I'm feeling that lousy, the last thing I want to do is dance. I don't care how fucking hot the person is who I'm dancing with. I just want to fucking go... Like, what the fuck are you doing, Christian? Oh yeah, brief aside, apparently Anna's mother has a saying, never trust a man who can dance. Which I just don't- I- I don't understand? <laughs> I don't even have a rant about that, I just straight up don't get it. So anyway, they dance their way over to where Kate and Elliot are, of course, dancing together, and Kate is, of course, crushing hard on Elliot and is dancing her booty off to try and get in his pants which I say good for her. Anna, meanwhile, is shocked, shocked, shocked that Kate is dancing like this after they only just met. Oh my goodness. Oh, the scandal. Like, sweetheart, I know that you don't do that shit, but other people do. And Kate does. And can we just, like, let your friend live her life and let her hook up with this hot guy if she wants to? I don't know. I guess I'm- I could- I could give her a little bit of leeway because she's drunk as fuck. She's also thinking that she needs to give Kate a safe sex lecture. Does she, though? They're about to graduate from college and it seems like this is pretty typical behavior for Kate. I would think- I would hope that Kate has, by now, begun to understand 
the importance of safe sex, especially because she is the one who, who is pursuing hookups, that she has taken some precautions for herself, like, for example, gotten herself on some sort of birth control, and also probably packed some condoms to this night out at a bar. Just saying, those are some pretty basic things. And if Kate does not know any of that stuff, and Anna is having to remind her every single time she hooks up, well, that's a whole other conversation entirely, but I don't think that's what this book is implying, so I'm not going to go there because I have ranted long enough. Also, we're almost at the end of the chapter because as they are on the way out of the bar, Anna passes out in Christian's arms. Boom. Cut to black. Curtain down. Chapter ends. Oh boy. What a ride. Almost kind of sort of ending on a cliffhanger. What will Christian do with... Oh, Jesus. Actually, yeah. Viewing the, <laughs> viewing this book in the light of Christian being a fucking abuser and Anna has just passed out and is now completely helpless in under his control. That is a bit of a cliffhanger. But of course, in the context of the book, he would never take advantage of her because he's the dashing romantic lead and he's way too polite to do something like that. But honestly, yikes. So that's chapter four. Thank you so much, as usual, for listening to this week's rant. My name is Lee. You can find my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash artist, And you can find my sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash candykitten. And this podcast can be found at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod. Be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. Speaking of links, you can find this podcast's Patreon at that last All My Links link, where you can support the podcast monthly in return for some fun exclusive content. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting us supporting me monetarily, I need to change that. Anyway, trust me, I get it. We don't always have money to throw around. Please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice, or tell a friend, write a blog post, whatever it is you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast. That would be so, so appreciated. Our logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. And uh, here we go. I'm trying out a closing line. We'll see if I like it, if I keep it, if I change it. But uh, until next time, remember your wreck. That's risk-aware, consensual kink. All right. Bye. like gesturing everywhere and in my closet is not a good time there's a i have a collar with a jangly chain that's what you might or might not have been hearing in the background sometimes we get in our heads about our crushes and gotta keep bumping my pop filter fuck i'm so bad at this today some nice page flipping asmr in the mic for you here Ooh, I'm wearing a crop top today that says pain slut.
that feels appropriate for recording a, um, at least nominally kinky book series, a podcast about a nominally kinky book series today. Anyway, I really like this top. I just got it recently. It's, um, pretty good. But anyway, oh, (laughs) my cat was sleeping on his bed near where I put my notebook, and I moved my notebook, and I scared him. I'm so sorry, kitty. Oh.